I'd like to share a little story about myself. Uh, last week, I shared with us a story uh, that was a little bit embarrassing to me. And I'm going to go and kind of follow that trend and do the same thing today. Oh, ah, thank you. All right. When I was growing up, I was a rowdy kid. I was a kid that had way too much energy. I was way too boisterous, not only for my parents, but also for the other kids that were around me. Um, and because of that, because I was so intense as a kid, I was not really well liked by other kids around me. I had a really hard time making friends. My parents recognized this. They recognized that if I were to continue to be so crazy, that I would have a hard time making friends. And they made a lot of effort to try to, to call up parents of other friends and get them to hang out with me and so we could have hang out at each other's house. But that just wasn't, wasn't working. Because you see, I didn't listen to them. I don't remember anymore whether it was because I didn't believe that they knew what they were talking about or because I believed them and that they cared for me, but I just didn't want to do it. In any case, I resisted what they were telling me was the better way to live life. And eventually, and because of that, I did not make my first friend until seventh grade. That was really hard, looking back. I didn't know how hard it was when I was younger, but I found out later. Now, don't worry, I became the, the man I am today before you. Uh, so those of you parents, uh, like you, if you have any of those kids, I don't know if that is a, a story that fills you with hope or with dread, but so be it either way. We are working our way through a series called The Faith Path. The Faith Path is a series of steps that we can take in our walk with God to grow closer to Jesus in our relationship with Him. And there's, there's 12 different steps. Obviously, there's more steps, but the people who developed this, not me, the people who developed this uh, narrowed it down to, to 12 overarching ideas. And we've been talking our way through the first step in this process, trusting in Jesus for salvation. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And we can't experience the abundant life without trusting in Jesus. That is the very first step that we must take. But in addition, you and I can't live the abundant life by trusting in Jesus and then ignoring Him for the rest of our life and living as if He doesn't matter. So last week, we focused on what the Gospel is, what you and I must do to be saved. And we realized together, I hope, that it whittles down to three core things that a person must believe in order to receive the life of Jesus an eternal life. It comes down to believing in the right person. Who is the right person? Can we say, Evan? Jesus. 
Jesus. Thank you, guys. For the right thing, what is the right thing we believe? We're, what is the promise that we believe Him for? We believe in Him for eternal life, right? Not health and wealth, not life and ease and comfort, or not ease and comfort, not a chance at getting eternal life. We believe that He gives us eternal life, and we believe in the right way. Because the way that we believe is important. We believe that it's not earned. Our works don't come into it. It is by grace, through faith, apart from works. No earning involved. We are saved by grace, through faith, apart from works. But, if we stop with faith apart from works, then you and I are absolutely God's children. But we will never fully realize all that that could mean in our experience. So we're going to see this week about the relationship between belief and discipleship. What is that? I, the relationship between belief and discipleship? Belief and discipleship, as we're going to be seeing, are not the same. But they do combine to make a fuller life for the believer. John 10, verse 10 says, shows Jesus speaking to a crowd, and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. Some of us think that Jesus is just saying the same thing two times, but what Jesus is saying to us is actually two things that Jesus has come to give you. He has come to give you life, eternal life that lasts forever, but He has also come to give you the abundant experience of that life, beginning here and now on this earth. So what is the difference between belief and discipleship? The word believer means one who believes. Specifically, one who has believed in that Jesus has given them eternal life absolutely free. But disciple is a separate word from a separate Greek word with a separate meaning. The word disciple actually comes from their phrase learner. One who learns. And back then, it's not just idea of student, like you sit down, you attend a class in which you listen to a lecture. The idea of discipleship back then is if you have a, a teacher or a rabbi that you're following, you don't just sit down in a class, you live life with them. You walk where they walk, you go where they go, you eat what they eat, you learn to memorize what they're speaking and do what they do so that your life begins to imitate theirs. Believers believe in Jesus so that they can live forever. Disciples follow Jesus so that they can live abundantly. Belief and discipleship, we need to understand, are not the same thing. And if they're not the same thing, then we can see we need to understand this, that if there is a distinction between those two, it is possible that not every believer is a disciple. And not every disciple is a believer. 
Now, this is a little bit different than what you might have heard, so please let me try to explain. First, are there believers who aren't disciples? Well, book of Hebrews. We just finished going through that. Was the book of Hebrews written to people who believe in Jesus? Yes. A number of times. He could not be clearer than to, to say the only way the readers could, are described could only be the people who have believed in Jesus, who have tasted the Spirit. These are people who have trusted in Jesus for the free gift of everlasting life, and they have received that life. And yet at the same time, Hebrews is constantly warning them, gives five warning passages against the danger of neglect, of unbelief, of a refusal to mature of in what you're knowing, of a, refu- a drawing back from what you know, and of a refusal to live a life that fits with what God is revealing to you. But you know, Hebrews is kind of controversial. We just finished going through that, so hopefully those of you who remember that will, will be clear. But what about another book that's a little bit more well understood? Corinthians. First and Second Corinthians. These people were gluttonous. They were coming to communion feasts and they were eating so much that other people were going hungry. They were full of pride. They were misusing their spiritual gifts. Gifts. They were celebrating what God had called sin, calling themselves more mature for being tolerant of sin. And Paul was saying, you got to stop doing that. But at the same time, Paul reminded them again and again, you are true believers. You are new creations in Christ. It is absolutely possible to believe the gospel and not follow Jesus. Now, at the same time, are there disciples who are not believers? How about a situation in John, chapter 5 and 6? Jesus is at the pinnacle of his ministry, he's the new fad. He has come saying, I am the Messiah, and he is backing it up with miracles, and everyone is going to him in flocks and droves to be healed of their sickness and have demons cast out, and they are just seeing all these wondrous things. And you come to the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry where he is more popular than he ever has been and ever will be, and there's a crowd of about 15,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. So I'm going to say 15. And Jesus feeds them all with, what, a couple loaves and a couple tiny fish? He feeds them all. And they're so happy with him that they want to forcibly make him king. They want to start a political revolution right then and right there and make Jesus the king of Israel. And what does Jesus do? He runs away and hides. And when they chase him down and say, Jesus, what are you doing? Where did you go? Can you give us more food? We're hungry. How about some breakfast? Jesus then says, I refuse to fit into the mold that you're trying to force me into. And he begins to speak hard truths to them that if they really believed, if they truly believed that he was the source of life, they would have said, this is hard. Jesus, can you explain yourself? But these people who have been following him are turning around and saying, this is hard. 
I don't want to try to understand. And so they walk away from Jesus and they don't follow him anymore. And Jesus is essentially only left with the 12 disciples, one of whom is a traitor. Those people were following Jesus. But Jesus knew. Well, let's see. Go back forward one slide. As he said, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human uh, uh, effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I spoke to you are spirit and life. But some of you, as Jesus says to the crowd, do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Even those who followed him did not necessarily believe. It is absolutely possible. For there to be people who attend church, who read their Bible, who are generally good people, that never trust in Jesus for the free gift of everlasting life, and they, never, and they miss out on the most important thing. May that not be any of us. If any among you have been depending on your effort to be right with God. If I were to ask you, why are you going to heaven? And you say, because I go to church, because I tithe, because I do good, because I read my Bible. And you start listing the things you do as the reason you are confident that you have eternal life. You are not, you need to place your trust in Jesus and in Him alone. Because you can never get there by the life you live, by the sins you don't commit or the good deeds that you do. And yet, they are made to work together. Faith and works are made to work together, and we must understand that. How does faith support our works? It provides a firm foundation for the life that we live. First of all, when we trust in Jesus for the gospel of freely given everlasting life, you and I are given one of the most important things we can have. We are given a foundation for, for assurance. When we understand that eternal life is unearned, it is completely free, it is a gift from God that you receive apart from works, then you know, because you trust that Jesus has given it to you, that you have it. Assurance is yours by right when you trust in the free gift of eternal life. And some people will look at that and say, but Adam, some people will live will say that they know they have eternal life and then they'll live like the world. Not so, I say, when someone understands who they are in Christ, that foundation for assurance gives them a foundation for growth. Because you see, God is objective fact. He is all-wise, all-powerful, and all-loving. And when God tells you and I what is best for us when he gives a command, he is doing it because he knows and because he wants our best. He does not give us a command to be a killjoy. He gives us commands for our best. And when we trust in him, when we trust in his love that never ends, that is freely given, the more we believe that about him, the easier it becomes to follow him. Because we know that we're just following the one who knows what's best and wants what's best for us. 
And when we turn our lives away and we say, no, God, I refuse to do what you want. I'm going to walk my own way. And we walk away from him sometimes for months, sometimes for years. It is grace that gives us the foundation, not just for growth, but it gives us the foundation for repentance. Not convinced? Let me give you two examples. Two men. Both grew up in the church. Both know the gospel. Both trusted in Jesus for the free gift of everlasting life at a young age. Both starting at teenagers. They started living like the world. They didn't come to church. And now they're, what, 40 years old? They have not darkened the door of a church with their shadow for a long time. But one of them believes that they have eternal life and that God loves them with an unending love and God wants what's best for them. And another one thinks, God hates me. And unless I get my life together, he'll never accept me. Who is going to have an easier time returning? It is the one who knows, who believes, who is convinced of the love and the grace of God. Grace gives us a foundation for repentance and for growth and for assurance. However, we also must know at the same time that while eternal life is free, not free for, uh, for God, He paid the price, but free to us. Discipleship is not. There is a cost of discipleship. Ah. That might be a phrase that is familiar for us. This is actually the title of a, a book that is actually relatively well known by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and I need to say, I need to be honest. While he is very sincere and while he's got some really great quotes, Dietrich gets his theology mixed up, I think over this precise issue because this man wants people to live lives that have an impact in this world for Jesus but they, he gets mixed up because he sees no distinction between faith and discipleship he sees them as exactly the same thing we need to understand the distinction so we can understand how they work together eternal life is free to us and it is very costly to God because Jesus paid the cost up front. Eternal life is gained in a moment of belief. John 5:24, He who hears my words and believes him who sent me has already eternal life and in the future will not come into judgment, but in the past has already at that moment passed from death to life. It takes a moment of belief and you have eternal life. But discipleship is absolutely not free. Take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Also shows up in Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 9. He says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Time after time, Jesus says to people who believe in him, follow me. 
And when he says, follow me, he says, this is something that's going to take a cost. This is something that requires something from you and me. It is on the basis of grace, but it does take effort. It is not automatic. You don't grow by osmosis, by just being around spiritual people or coming to a church. Discipleship means growing closer to and looking more like Jesus. It's a lifelong process of learning to deny the world, the flesh, and the devil and trusting Jesus enough to follow his priorities instead of yours. But there isn't only a cost. There's also a benefit as well. There are benefits to discipleship, to living life, trusting what God says. Here's a list that I got for you of what we have. First of all, when you follow Jesus with your life, not only are you getting eternal life absolutely free, you are also getting to live a life that is lived well. Right? You follow Jesus and you get the benefit of a life lived well. You get to avoid the earthly consequences for sin. A person who believes in Jesus and then goes and gambles away all of his money, he is still going to heaven, but on his, in life here on earth, he is going to have a harder time without any money, right? Would you not agree? And so we don't gamble away all of our money, not because we want to get eternal life, but to avoid the consequences of a life lived unwisely. We follow Jesus, trusting what God says, for peace and joy. A peace and joy that is independent of circumstances. Because when we know how much Jesus loves us and we're following Him, then life is not going to get better. You're still going to have hard times. Your cars are still going to not turn on in weather like this. But you can know how much Jesus loves you and you can have a peace and joy that surpasses understanding. Also, if you're living life, if you're choosing the life of discipleship, you can find a closeness with Jesus on this earth and a closeness with Jesus in the next life, in the life to come. God wants you to do more than just be a baby Christian who trusts Him and goes to heaven. He wants you to grow in a knowledge of who He is and live like what He says is true. And He says to the one who obeys my commands, He is the one who loves me and I will love Him and I will reveal myself to Him. The more we follow Jesus, the more He reveals Himself to us and we grow closer to Him. And guess not, not only do we grow closer to Him now, One day, Jesus will be sitting in his judgment seat over believers and he will look at your life and he will look at mine. And there will be some people that he will say, why did you waste your life that I have given you? And there will be some to whom he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Both go to heaven. But one experiences much more closeness with Jesus and also they receive eternal rewards. I don't know what those look like and I'm not going to get into them right now, but they seem to involve some sort of special privilege and access that people, others don't have. 
special responsibilities. Some people will be ruling over five or ten cities. Some people are described as ruling over none. And it's a special relationship with Jesus, a closer relationship with Jesus in eternity future. Our forever is impacted by our now. And we need to understand that. We are called to obey. And yes, there is a cost, but there are so many good things that God wants for you. Reasons why we should follow Him as believers. So as we continue on in this series of the faith path, as we talk about each of the steps that follow after trusting in Jesus for salvation, we need to understand how it is our faith that is the basis for every other step that we take. So as we walk through each of the steps, I want you to think of them in light of the upward spiral, also known as what to do with what God is teaching you so that you really grow closer to God and don't just learn interesting ideas. Because sometimes that's what church is for some of us, isn't it? Honestly, you learn interesting ideas, but then Monday comes, you don't even remember what it is anymore that you had learned. If you want to actually know what to do with this so that we are growing closer to Jesus, it comes down to three steps in the upward spiral. Step number one is to learn God's, is that when you learn God's promises... You have an opportunity to believe. There is a difference between hearing me say that something is so and you saying, yes, this is true. When you learn what God says, you have an opportunity to believe. By the way, if you don't even know what God says, there's a step before this. Read the Bible. Read the Bible so that you know what God says, so that you have that opportunity to believe. The Bible is God's message to you. And I I honestly, truly hope that we are opening God's Word more than just Sunday mornings. But when you learn God's promise, it's an opportunity to believe. But there's a step beyond that, because when you believe that God's promise is true, that gives you another opportunity. If you believe that it's true, It gives you an opportunity to follow. Too easily, we box Jesus into Sunday morning and keep the rest of the week to ourselves. And then we wonder why we aren't experiencing the peace, love, and joy of God. If that's you, if you are finding that you are missing out on the peace, the love, and the joy of God in your everyday life, may I encourage you in in a way? Stop living like God's promises are nice thoughts and start living as if they're true. Because when you follow Him, when you move from learning to believing and believing to following, you will find that following God's promises does two things. First of all, it cycles back and it confirms your faith. Don't worry about anything. 
pray about everything and thank him for all he has done, says Philippians 4, 6. And the promise that follows it in verse 7 is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God makes a promise. He says, don't just say that it's true. Believe it. Don't just believe that it's true. Do what it says. Choose not to worry, but to pray and to thank him. And he says, when you do, God will keep his word. And it will confirm your faith, your your trust in Him, that what God said is actually true. And then that will give you the opportunity to learn a new truth about God that you were not ready to learn before. Just as you need to learn addition before you learn multiplication, there are some things that you will need to learn before God moves you on to the next step. And you might say, God, I don't want to learn this thing. I know what you're trying to make me understand and live out in my life. But can you just move me on to the next step? For some of us, God says no. Because you are not ready to move on until you learn what I'm trying to teach you right now. I am so glad that each of you are here. And I'm sorry if this is a hard thing. But our faith is connected to our life. It needs to be connected to our life. Whether you intend to do anything with what I say or not, I'm glad that you're here. Because maybe, maybe God will take, even if you don't live it out right now, maybe God will take a word or a phrase and stick it in your mind like a seed that will take root someday. But as we walk through the steps of this faith path, I encourage you, don't wait for that seed to sprout on its own. Discipleship is a wrestling match. Wrestle with what you learn until you believe it. And then wrestle with what you believe until you live it. And as you do, Next slide. As you do, you will find that God has been wanting your best all along. And you wonder why you fought Him so long. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power, your wisdom, your grace. Jesus, it's your grace that gives us that foundation for knowing we have life in you so that we may grow, so that we may turn from living life our own way. Jesus' discipleship has a cost to it, but it has so many benefits that reach so far into our life now and forever. So Jesus, please help us. Help us to follow you to take what we learn and believe it. Take what we believe and live it. Help us to follow you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.